Welcome, and thank you for joining us at Gallery Church Downtown. Our gathering is about to begin. Please say hello in the comments or connect with us through email at connect at gcbdowntown.com. Take a minute to grab your Bible and open the notes section in our church app to follow along during the teaching. You will also need to have your communion supplies ready for the end of the gathering. Church family, um, if those of you that are online, we want to greet you as well. And if you can't hear anything, let Albert know in the chat. Um, it's uh, becoming, uh, I guess, more accustomed for me to feel like I'm talking to a camera and talking to people at the same time. But it's still a little awkward. So I will probably stammer and stutter and say a lot of things that just make me look like I'm struggling. But I might be. My also, my son just gave me a really special Father's Day gift too, so I'm overcome with a little bit of that right now. So yeah, thank you. He's the very large child against the wall. Um, but um, you know, it's this has been an interesting week um, in the world as well as in the nation and in our city. Uh, so when we come to the gathering like this, we carry so much with us, uh, so much emotion in the room. Like right now, I'm. You're not over, overwhelmed with my personal father-son story, but, uh, you know, this is Bob Turner's last Sunday with us in person after 13 years and, um, and moving to the sunny state of Florida, which, um, go in peace and heat. Um, um, but we, uh, so there's a lot of different emotions. And then we start thinking about the millions, if not tens of millions of people that are displaced. We think about children um, and, and families and the politics around our border. We look at the people on the coast again, dealing with a storm and winds and tornadoes and flooding. There is just so many ways, which goes back to our teaching last week, that the earth is groaning. We're groaning. The earth is groaning. Today's Father's Day, sons and daughters are groaning for good and bad reasons. There have been some fantastic dads. There's been some awful dads. And then there's been children that have never known a dad. And then we call God in heaven dad and, and all the different things that come along. And so today is a day where we can be totally overwhelmed with um, stimulation to our minds and to our hearts and our bodies and just the things that we're having to face and deal with. And so I felt like it would be really good for us just to collectively just take a really deep breath right now and just say we are going to bring all of who we are, all of the joys and the sorrows to our Father right now. Um, and we just want to lay them at his feet. So would you just join me in just a, about a 10, 15 second exhale prayer? where we just, at your own pace, just take a deep breath and just let God know what's on your heart. Let's just do that for a moment. I love taking some of the prophetic words, especially out of Isaiah, um, into our encouragement about who God is and what he does. Um, don't want to take a verse out of context, but I love the heart of Isaiah talking about our God and God's awareness of everything we just offered to him. Like, 
we didn't just surprise him like, oh man, I didn't realize you were thinking this way. I didn't imagine you were feeling this way. Like our father in heaven knows us. And so Isaiah in trying to talk to a very wounded and hurting and oppressed and displaced people said, come all you who are thirsty. He says, come to the waters and you who have no money, come buy and eat. We're trying to discover that in Jesus Christ. There is something available to us outside of the currency in our economy, outside of the way our culture dictates how we work and where we live and all these things. There's something in God's kingdom that we are learning about that is fresh and refreshing. And I want to remind us of that today. So let me just take a moment and, um, and pray over us before Andrew and E.K. take some time to lead us in prayer together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we stand in, or sit now in front of you, and we are not here because it's religious practice. We are here because we know that there is power in our gathering. There is something that can happen when we get together, uh, whether online or in person, but when your church is the church and we get a chance to see that there are many parts but one, Lord, I, I, I pray that today brings life to this family. Lord, there are people in our church that need a healing today, and you've asked us in the name of Jesus and through the power of your spirit to be healing agents, and we want to be healing agents today. You want wisdom to flow through us. You want encouragement to come through us. You want us to excel at things like hospitality and generosity and kindness and compassion. So, Lord, I pray that no matter what the subject matters are spoken or sung today, Lord, I pray that in everything we are a example of Jesus. Thank you for Isaiah's prophecy. Thank you for the words of Jesus. Thank you for inspirations and songs and prayers for us today. And so, Lord, we just come to you and say, would your spirit speak? And would, your, would you help our ears to discern your spirit's voice over everything else? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, it's good to see everyone today. Uh, welcome. If you can, please stand um, and join us in worship. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need my one defense, my righteousness. Oh God, how I need you. Oh, 
where sin runs deep your grace is more where grace is found is where you are and where you are lord i am free holiness is christ in me lord i need you oh i need you every hour i need you my one defense my righteousness oh god how i need you so teach my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way and when i cannot stand i'll fall on you jesus you're my hope and stay so teach my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way and when i cannot stand i'll fall on you jesus you're my hope and stay lord i need you oh i need you every hour i need you my one defense my righteousness oh god how i need you oh i need my righteousness oh god how i need you you're my one defense my righteousness oh god how i need you Jesus, the most beautiful name of all names. Jesus, the only name that brings healing and strength. When I speak your name mountains move 
chains are loose when I speak your name darkness flees it has no hold on me Jesus the most beautiful name that I know you're the exalted one Jesus you have the power alone you lift the
Jesus, the most beautiful name that I know. You're the exalted one, Jesus. You have the power alone. You lift the lowly one, Jesus. Thank you for the cross that you have carried. Thank you for your blood that was shed. You took the weight of sin upon your shoulders. Sacrificed your life so I could live. Sacrificed your life so I could live. Now nothing is holding me back from you, Redeemer of my soul. Now nothing can hold me back from you. Your love will never let me go. Now no 
Before we get to the sermon part of the gathering, I want to just talk to you about a couple of announcements and then lead us in a time of generosity together. Uh, next Sunday, uh, June 27th, uh, we are having a covenant family meeting with all of our brothers and sisters that uh, call the Gallery Church their home. We'll be here at 5 o'clock next Sunday. All of our Spanish-speaking brothers and sisters will be a part of that with us, so it's not just for our English-speaking audience. But we're going to really talk about who we are as a church and where we're going come uh, coming out of this pandemic and what we can do together to see God's kingdom come and God's will being done here. We're also going to be including some financial updates, some staffing updates, and things like that that I think are going to be really important. Um, I will share this as we get ready to move into a time of generosity. Before the pandemic, you know, we were, as a church family, averaging around $43,000 a month in monthly giving, which was outstanding. And the Lord was using those resources in a great way. But during the pandemic, we dropped to about $33,000 average. That's about a $10,000 a month loss in my simple math. 
but our trustees are working really hard. We're going to be sharing with you some things that they've been doing behind the scenes to help our church stay stable in our income with some of the properties that we've owned or some that we've sold and some of the things that we're trying to do behind the scenes. But we do need coming out of this pandemic to get back to our pre-pandemic numbers. So from 33 to 43, we've got to make that up quick. Um, or else there's things that we are having the privilege of doing that we might have to sacrifice because we don't want to stop being generous to the community around us. And so our budget's super lean as it is, but it's not the church that we came here to pastor. We wanted to be an exceptionally generous church to the community. So we've lost a lot of people. There's a lot of people that have moved, people that are still um, staying away because of the pandemic. I am excited that the mayor announced July 1st is the mask mandate drop and the state of the emergency drop. I'm really thrilled to hear that as a pastor. I think many of us need that affirmation from our political leaders that it's okay for us to look at each other in the face and hug each other and say in the name of Jesus, uh, we have much work to do. And so um, I want to encourage you, um, if you're giving faithfully, please continue to do so. If you have the means to do a little bit more and the spirit of God is telling you to do that, would you obey him in, in doing that just to help our church get back on its feet, so to speak, so that we can catch up a little bit quicker? And we've been going through a generosity prayer um, as a church online most of the year, um, but we've been bringing that back in. And I'd like to go through that prayer with you right now. Um, and I know it's going to be on the screen and with your mask on, it's going to sound really muffled, but I would love for us to pray this prayer out loud together if you feel comfortable joining me in that. So let's say this together. Father in heaven, there is nothing that I have that you have not given me. All I have and am belong to you, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. To spend everything on myself and to give without sacrifice is the way of the world that you cannot abide. But generosity is the way of those who call Christ their Lord, who love him with free hearts and serve him with renewed minds who withstanding the delusion of riches that chokes the word, whose hearts are in your kingdom and not in the systems of the world, I am determined to increase in generosity until it can be said that there is no needy person among us. I am determined to be trustworthy with such a little thing as money that you may trust me with true riches. Above all, I am determined to be generous because you, Father, are generous. It is the delight of your daughters and sons to share your traits and to show what you are like to all the world. Amen. And if you're new to our, our church family and you're unaware of ways to give, obviously, now that we're gathering again, there's boxes by the doors. Um, there's also ways to give through our app. You can also give online through our website. But the preferred means, which is the easiest on you as well as the easiest on the fees that the church is charged, is just for you to send a bank check from your, 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 your bank account through the post office box of the church. So there's an address online for you for that as well in the app. Uh, obviously, giving through the app, there's fees, and you can absorb those if you like, or you can pass those on to the church, but the app will let you know what those fees are. But we're grateful to be able to be giving together and serving the Lord together. Um, before we step towards the sermon, I want to talk to you about the two books that we're recommending for the summer. 
Um, we are going to be spending a lot of time talking about some ways that we're going to engage the Sermon on the Mount this summer. Um, this book um, by Sky is phenomenal. It is easy. It is simple. It is funny. It is convicting. And did I say it's easy? So I don't care if you've never read a book or you have read hundreds of books and you whatever. But the chapters only take about two minutes or less. There's pictures. There's pictures, drawings, and artistic expressions. So what if Jesus was serious? This is about the Sermon on the Mount. I believe it's a great thing for us to spend time with uh, each other on this summer. And then many of you know my friend Terrence Lester. He's been up to Baltimore a few times. His new book, When We Stand, um, is a fantastic book about how we, as diverse people, can seek justice together. I love this book. Um, it was easy for me to sit down and read. I'm looking forward to reading it again. Terrence recently asked me to reread a copy, and he wants uh, our, my input on something that's heading towards the future. I was really excited and honored to be a part of that. But I believe that we need to keep these kinds of things in front of our mind because there are so many ways in which we are being asked to engage in justice-related issues, but also... Um, we all come from so many different backgrounds, and we need a common language. We need a way of getting into a room and talking about things where we're not all using different descriptions. And I really believe this book is going to help us stay on the same page as we move forward together. So the two books we love for you to be a part of, they're going to be on our social media pages so that you can access um, at that information to, download, to go download them or whatever. But if you can't afford a copy of the book, let us know. We'll be happy to get you a copy of those books. We're also having a Sabbath Sunday, July 4th. So that annually in our church calendar, we take the first Sunday of the fiscal year to Sabbath rest that is coming up on July 4th. And then on July 11th, we won't be meeting in this room. We're going to be meeting at a camp just outside of the city with all of our brothers and sisters from Patterson Park. Um, and we are going to be having a day retreat together on that Sunday. So be watching our social media, be watching the push notifications, watching your email. We're going to be talking to you about ways you can register for that. We can carpool to that. We can just make sure that we have a chance to just take an hour and a half slot on a Sunday and expand it to a full day together where we can eat meals together. We where the, the theme theme for the day is abide. We're going to really talk about what it really means to abide in Christ. And so I'm super excited about doing that together with our brothers and sisters. And so we have a couple of slides I want to read to you to kind of help us get set for the sermon for today. We're in this series on habitus for the summer because we have developed a lot of bad habits through the pandemic. And we need to get back to healthy practicing of our faith. And so today, we as the Gallery Church in Baltimore are looking to learn the ways to put into practice the disciplines to develop habitus in our lives. What did the believers do that witnessed the ascension of Jesus? We've been asking ourselves that question. What did the believers do in the first 300 years of following after Jesus? So today, we are, I'm sorry, let me go on. Uh, they had the confidence to proclaim Jesus as Lord, and today we will learn how to interpret our groaning and our, our bringing of hope into the pain of our groanings. Uh, and, and what we are learning from 
them that we will help us to live in faith, hope, and love in our generation. Sorry, I didn't read that very well, but that's okay. Um, I'm, my brain is just on so many things. Um, but today, Pastor Bill, um, who uh, you know cares for our, our church family in Patterson, is going to be teaching us today. And I'm, so I want you guys to welcome. He's going to be talking to us about the importance of us um, being together and and how we can't neglect this opportunity. So, Pastor Bill, would you come on up? Would you guys welcome Pastor Bill? Thank you, Brad. Thank you very much. Uh, you shouldn't have done that. Now I'm more scared than ever because I hear all the claps, and I'm like, okay, what, are, what is going on? Um, first of all, I want to make a correction. It is not me teaching, but it's the Holy Spirit. And I hope that's what you hear today. Um, I'm so glad to be here. If you hear me pausing, it's not that I fall asleep. It's because I'm used to pause so that this translation. But today there's no translation, so I just may uh, keep the habit of stopping. Um, well, there are many reasons why the church meets together, um, proclaiming the word, acting the sacraments, teaching, admonishing, discipling, socializing is one of them. Uh, however, the main reason is something that is in our hearts, and it's something that I call the spiritual DNA, and that's something that I, I hope we can see today. In nature, um, we see that Living creatures, they try to get together. Uh, cicadas is a good example. <laughs> they get together, they sing aloud, they do their thing, and then somebody eats them with chocolate or they die in a jewelry. But that's, that's how nature works. And there are these patterns of migration where birds, whales, and different animals, they're going and they meet in a place for a reason. We, as a human beings, we have a deeper root and a deeper meaning for getting together. Last year was a crazy year. We all know that. Um, we long to be together. We long to see each other. Uh, I see people getting out on the streets now. I was in Delaware last week, and I got used not to use the mask because that's not a mandate there. And I'm back, and I'm having the mask, and you told me that I can take it off, but I have it. But anyway, it's trying to get back to see each other. One of the great things that I learned is to read the eyes of people. With the mask, I can see, I can read a lot in the eyes. But social media skyrocketed. If you have some shares in Zoom, I'm pretty sure that you're happy today. And now we're just going back to what do we do now? We have all these medias of communication. Do we need to come back to the church as a group? Or what do we do with all the equipment that we have invested in? Even though we tried to make a two-way service at Patterson Park, I needed to see people face to face. I was glad to listen to them, hear what they were saying. But this, what? Did I say something wrong that's like the beep here? <laughs> anyway, so I needed to see people face to face. I needed to hug them. And it still is odd when you see someone and you're like 
handshake, elbow shake. What do I do? Because we 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 lost the socializing. Oh boy. It's really awkward on video. <laughs> it's, I know. It's, it's awkward for me too. Um, okay. I, uh, now I know what a puppet feels like. But Oh well. So we're trying to get together. Uh, and what do we do? What do we do with all this technology? Do we really need to be together? And today I hope that we can realize what, how important it is for us to come together. So, why don't you join with me in prayer before we start. Father in heaven, I give you thanks for your love. I give you thanks for your spirit. I give you thanks for the communion that we have with you. Father, I pray that today it will be your words, not mine. That it will be your spirit, not mine. Uh, that uh, you open the hearts of my brothers and sisters and whoever listens to, to these words. So that we can be encouraged to be your sons and daughters. Father, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for bringing us together in Jesus Christ. I pray. Amen. So I need to go back to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I'm going to get into a... I'm still doing it. I'm not going to get into this uh, old discussion about God... uh, it is plural or it's not, but this word that the Hebrew is using here, Elohim, is a plural. And it talks about gods, but not like an assembly of God, like the Greeks or like the Romans. It's the, what we call the Trinity, the triune God that they live in perfect harmony. They are a community that speaks to each other, and then they created everything. The scriptures refer to God the Father and the Son as the creator and sustainer of the whole creation. 1 Corinthians 8.6 is a good example. It tells us that God the Father and the Son, whom all things were created from, from whom we exist, and the one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all things and through whom we exist. There are many scriptures that talk about this, but it is important. For us to acknowledge that there is a God created. He, I'm sorry, I'm doing something. No, I don't know what's going on. It's the evil one because you got a good message to give. <laughs> we're going to switch this over right now. Okay. And uh, that should pick you up great. Great. So. Sorry. Yeah. Something is going on. So we have to acknowledge that God is the creator, and it's a foundation. It's foundational that we understand that, because he's the creator. Therefore, he's the one that tells us what, are the, what is the order of creation. It is not my order. It is not your order. It is God's order. So we have to abide by that. Um, he created us into his image. Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make man in our own image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heaven, over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God created man in his own image. 
In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them, and God blessed them, and he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on earth. There are many plurals in these verses. God created us to be a community with him. Verse 18, the Lord says, It is not good that man should be alone. And he created a helper, an assistant, a, a companion for him. Because God wanted that man would be the manifestation of God's community to the creation. That was his intention. Adam, when he sees a woman presented to him, Eve, he says, and he said that this is the bone of my bones, is the unity, the being in a one, in a oneness. And there is verse 25, disclaimer, this is the Bible. And man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. I'm not asking you to take off your clothes, please. But what this sentence, what this verse is saying in, is that the foundation of community is n- not being shy, not being timid, not hide anything, not being afraid of being who we are in front of everybody. But what happens? Eve sees the tree. And she says that it's beautiful and desirable. And she decides to eat from the tree. She gave it to the man as well. That's Genesis 3, 4, and 7. We know that as the fall. In verse 6, it says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to their eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate it. Verse 7, then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaf trips together and made themselves loincloths. I believe that be, they were together in the garden. I don't know how many people was in the garden with them. They were together, but they were not communicating to each other. There was a problem of communication I like to read books. I am, I study civil engineering, so I'm not a psychologist, but I like sociology. I like psychology. I like to read books and what people is studying. And I like this book from Sherry Torkel. It's called Alone Together, Why We Expect More from Technology and Less from Each Other. We are in a point in history where we depend more on technology than on each other. Sociologists, they are interested in this human behavior. Why we look at technology and we give it human characteristics. I gave a name to my cars, at least to the first one. I say my computer hates me. I say my phone died. It's because we're taking technology and we're making it more human. Why? Why do we do that? 
Some of you may know about the studies that have been, been do, has been, been done at the MIT with robots, Domo, Kismet, Cog, and they have been training these robots. I'm sorry, training is not a word. They have been programming these robots, and they resemble human interaction. And people talk to them, and at the end, they say, you know what, I, can, I feel connection with you, with a robot. Why? I have a, a theory about it. It's an engineering theory about it. I like technology because technology doesn't tell me that I'm doing something wrong. Have you ever searched for a car on the internet and suddenly you get bombarded with cars all of a sudden? Algorithms in Google, in Siri, they are programmed so that they know what you want and they will give you what you want. They want to capture your attention. And I say, and I'm talking to them as human beings, but they're not human beings. They are programmed to do that. I like to be with someone that doesn't tell me that I'm doing something wrong. I have developed, and we as a humankind, we have developed intimacy with the electronics. In, and it's replacing human intimacy because I don't want to be corrected and I don't want to be confronted. These are topics that are hard to respond there is a study from Dr. Julianne Holt-Lundstad from Brigham Young University. And she says that she has analyzed the reasons why some people live longer. She said that 5% is because of genes. 20% is for healthy behavior, eating well, exercising well. 20% is advances in Medicare. 55% is for social and societal characteristics. People that have friends, that have developed level three conversation with others, they are most likely to live longer. You know what level three conversation is? I'll tell you what I understand it is. Level one conversation. Hi, hi, see you later, see you later. Level two. Do you like the game? Do you like Biden's new policies? What do you feel about this? That's level two. <coughs> level three, I'm hurting. My life is, in, is a mess. I need help. That is level three. When you talk to someone, think, how many level ones do you have? How many levels three do you have? People that have this level three conversation, they are most likely to live longer. This same study, this same doctor, she has compared loneliness or living in isolation as smoking 13 cigarettes a day. That is the level of anxiety that loneliness creates in our lives. Isolation brings more isolation. It reduces the desire to be part of a community and deteriorates the community as well. Rates of volunteerism have dropped 
according to the, Mer the University of Maryland, people, Americans, they are reporting less religious affiliation, and it declines church attendance. It also uh, reduces helping with nonprofits. Regardless whether loneliness is increasing or is stable, there's lots of evidences that shows that a large portion of the population is affected by loneliness. Dr. Hall Lundstedt says, being connected to others socially is widely considered a fundamental human need. It is crucial to both well-being and survival. United Kingdom and Japan, they have created a ministry of loneliness because they identify that being lonely is a health issue. We have lost intimacy with others since the Garden of Eden. I'm not suggesting to take off your clothes again. That's not what I'm saying. Something came to my head. But bear in mind that the first consequence of sin was that they stopped seeing each other as God created them. They didn't see each other through God's eyes, but they saw each other through their own eyes. And then I realized I am not good enough. I don't know if Adam had a six-pack. I don't know if he snored. I don't know if he had bad temper. I don't know if Eve had extra pounds somewhere. I don't know. But I know that they stopped looking at each other through God's eyes. And then they felt the rejection and the desire to be isolated. In doing so, they forgot the reason the mission that God has given for, to them. Rule over creation. Instead, they focus on their individualism. Isn't that what breaks churches apart? When Pastor Elias started this series on Peacemaker, there was this question, what is wrong with the world? Remember, the answer is, I am. As an individual, I am. Because I see myself as isolated. Now Jesus is bringing back the community with God. And he's bringing back community with us. In the, the epistle of Colossians, Paul is making emphasis in the promises that Christ has done to us. Because of the indwelling of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in us. Jesus is reconciling all things to himself by the blood of the cross. He is the image of the invisible God. Verse 19 says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. The fruit of the reconciliation is not, I'm going to die, I'm going to go to heaven. That's not the fruit of reconciliation. The fruit of reconciliation is the sanctification. It's a process, and it requires a high degree of habitus. It is not waiting for the Holy Spirit to have a magic wand and just move it around, and boom, I'm changed. 
It involves me working hard. I tell my, my friends, the time that you don't want to pray is the time that you need to pray. The time that you don't want to read the Bible is the time that you really need the Bible. Read the Bible. The time that you don't want to come to church is the time that you need to come to church. And it takes time. It, it, makes, it takes a lot of effort from us to do that. God's plan of reconciliation is to bring us back to the plan of creation according to our Father in heaven. Jesus prayed that in John 17, that we can become one, one in him. Now, and I know this sounds like a terrible news, but Jesus is bringing good news. I'm going to explain what I, what I see as the benefits of being in communion with God. We know God and Moses. The first benefit is to know God. When we know God, God reveals himself to us as he did to Moses so that we can reveal God to others. One of the threats of the church today is how to be a church without the Bible and without the church. We don't want to read the Bible. We don't want to come together. I want to be a Christian without the Bible, without the church. And that is growing, especially among young people. Um, that's in a class that we're taking. Having technology in our hands have released us from memorizing the scriptures. I remember that the Bible says something. Let me check. And we find the verses. We don't memorize because we have technology in our, in our hands. We find books, blogs, sermons, songs, anything that can please our hearts. Our knowledge, our knowledge or the capacity of accessing knowledge has increased so we are less depending on memorizing or reading the good book, as Apple, Johnny Appleseed says. By doing so, we're forgetting a powerful tool. It's a good word. Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All the scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The purpose to read or to listen or to sing a song is to grow in knowing God. Not to make me feel better. Or not just to make me feel better. We just, we just don't memorize to be able to have a debate with someone about doctrinal topics. But it's to know that we are children of God. I like the kids running around. I, I love them. But if you ask them, who is your dad? They will tell who is your dad, right? I don't want to do that right now, but they know. But as we grow older, have you ever had the idea that you were adopted? Have you heard that I'm really your son? Yeah, because we question. Jesus is saying when he talks to Nicodemus, he says, 
You have to believe, to know in your heart that you are a child of God. And we have to know that because we need to sit down with him and know. The second point is that we are being transformed into his image. By knowing God, we changed. Moses, he went to the mountain. He talked to God. And when he came down, his face was shining. And everybody saw it. When we come together, you can tell me, how is my life with Christ? I can think that it's good. But you're the one that are going to tell me if my face is shining or not. As iron sharpens iron, we come to each other and we tell each other who we are. I like um, when Pastor Ellis was sharing with us years ago that here in the Western culture, it is normal that I ask, do you love your wife? I say, yeah, I love her. In the Eastern culture, they will come live with you for a week, and then they will tell you if you love her or not. When we counsel couples and we ask the husband, is everything okay in your marriage? Oh, yeah. Oh, problems like every other couple. We have some problems. But when we ask her, is everything okay? I cannot stand that guy anymore. I want to, I want to divorce. I'm, I'm done. Why do we see things different? We need someone to tell us how we're doing. Moses is a symbol of Jesus Christ. His face was shining, and I think that's the example of God's countenance on Jesus' face. We can be transformed, and we can be sanctified as we know God, and we spend time with him as Moses is shining. The Western point of view tells us that we need to know someone in order to be with someone. We talk to someone, we find, okay, do we have things in agreement? Do we... Are we compatible? And then we have a group of friends. In the Easter point of culture, we get together, and then we know each other. A perfect example is marriage. Again, here you know a girl, or you know a boy. You kind of like that person. You go out, get to know that person, then you get married. We see marriage as a goal or as an end. In the Easter culture, you get married, and then you get to know the person. Marriage is a beginning. Doesn't it make sense? Now, if I look at the statistics from the CDFA, Professionals of Family Affairs in North America, 43% of the cause of divorce in the United States is basic incompatibility. If I get to know someone before getting married, and 43% is because we didn't get along together, there is something wrong in the model. There isn't, isn't there? Jesus is calling us to come to him and know him. 
We need to get away from the way that the world is working, and we need to get into the way that Jesus is asking us to do. When we come to the church, this is not in my notes. Sorry for whoever is doing what you're doing. Uh, when we come to church um, and we don't like the church, we go to another one that we like better. But we don't stay because we didn't like it. Right? We should stay so that we can grow together. Anyway, so I've been talking about all this community, com- being in community, living with each other, knowing God. But what does it have to do with being together? Last Sunday, Pastor Ellis mentioned that the creation is waiting with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. That's Romans 8. Jesus says that nobody lights a candle and put it, puts it under a bushel. You put it high so that people can see and they don't stumble. We as a church, we don't light for others to see. So we come together so that people can see. Either here at home, in our gatherings, we have purpose to get together. And I know that there are specific purpose for specific churches. That's what I call purposes for local churches. But there are others that are for the church in general. We don't gather here because it makes me feel better. We don't gather here because music is good. We gather here for, because this is the essential part of the church. This is essential for a church to be a church, is to be together. It is essential so that we can proclaim the mission, we can fulfill the mission of proclaiming God's excellencies. Because God's plan from Genesis, it has always been his desire that we show community with God to creation. It is our spiritual DNA. It's our foundation. Now I'm going to give you some practical reasons why we get together. Um, and I'm going, I have the scriptures as well. I think you have them in your app notes. First, we come to represent heaven's rule and judgment. Hebrews 12 and Ephesians 2. We as a church assembly, we come together to declare that there is a creator and that there is a ruling on the earth. We come to be a visible outpost of Christ's kingdom, Acts chapter 2 and Matthew 16. We come together to testify to the king, Matthew 18 and 28. We come to identify citizens of the kingdom, Matthew 28 and Acts 2. We come together to form and equip the people of God by prophecy, by preaching and teaching, by singing in addition to giving praise, by sharing, by being in in communion, uh, by equipping the saints, by striving to excellency and building up the church. We come together to mobilize people. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and 2. We come together to exalt the king. Ephesians 5. 
We come together to declare God's victory over the world, the flesh and the devil that is fighting the church. That is John 20 and Acts 1. We come together because there is power when the people of God come together to agree that God has a plan for us. We come together because God gives us direction to the gathering. Those are some of the things why we come together. Now, as we come together, there are benefits, right? There are good benefits as we come together. When we're here, we build authentic relationships with each other. When we come here, we take the truth, the spiritual part, and it meets the practical life, and we are transformed. When we are here, we grow by having healthy conflicts where we can talk and we can be closer together. When we come here, we learn about being a true disciple. When we take the scripture learning and we put a scripture acting, that is obedience. You can look in, in James. When we come here, we come to live as a church, and that's an intentional living. These are some of the things, and uh, if you have any questions, <laughs> I will try to answer. And it's a civil engineer trying to answer soci sociology questions. But being vulnerable, uh, I recommend to you not only these studies, but listen to, um, I forgot her name. She has a study about vulnerability. And um, yeah. Sarah Brown, I think her, is her name. Brene Brown, perfect. Being vulnerable. We don't like to be vulnerable, but if we're not vulnerable, we're losing a lot. Let's pray. Father, thank you for making us your community. Thank you for bringing us together. Thank you because even though we decided to be egocentric and we decided to be individualistic, you sent Jesus Christ to die for us, to reconcile us with the Father. To bring us back to you. Father, I pray that we can grow being one church. With many locations, but one church that honors your name. Father, I pray that you change our hearts. That you transform us and make us vulnerable. So that we can love our brothers and our sisters. And to honor your name. Thank you for the locations that you're giving us. Thank you for our homes Thank you for this building. Thank you for Patterson Park building. Thank you for all the locations where the churches are gathering together. Uh, that they will be light for a community that is starving to know about your name. Father, help us to uh, show you love and be your light. In Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Let's just take a moment with that prayer and just let the spirit sit with us just for a minute. I know like right now it's like our cultural understanding is like, okay, let's move on to the next thing, but let's sit for just a moment. Would you just, whatever it takes for you to be still like as best you can, if you need to close your eyes, if you just need to look at the floor or just, you can, whatever you need, why don't you just ask the Holy Spirit, what in this was for me? Just take a moment. Just ask the Holy Spirit, what, what, what? From this morning, the words that were shared were for me.
ask the Holy Spirit to help you to see what is keeping you from pursuing the full intimacy of the church. Father, we're so grateful that the Holy Spirit speaks. Now, Father, help us to be a people that chooses obedience. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Before we move towards our benediction and the Lord's table, let me just share one announcement, and then I want to invite one special guest up with me as we do the Lord's table together. Um, Andre is recovering from a, a minor surgery, so he's not here today. You will also be seeing in our social media, as well as our push notices in our app, some things that we're doing with our, in conjunction with and with our growth communities for the summer, especially in July and August. Um, there are some special nights, and that includes weeknights and weekends that uh, Andre is going to be putting out some announcements. We're opening up our home. If the weather's good, we'll be on our rooftop. But um, there's a limit to the number of people, but we are having these growth sessions over the summer just to reconnect, talk about our faith, things we're learning, pray together, reconnect with one another. So whether you are a first-time guest or you have been with us for a long time, you will be able to sign up for one or five, or I think there's like 12 nights that we're doing this in the month of July at my house. If you want to sign up for all 12, then um, that's up to you. Um, you'll know what I like to eat and drink by the time it's over. Um, but uh, we, we just want to create some opportunities for us to be together, and that will also carry into the month of August as well. Um, and so right now, hopefully you have a cup, and if you don't, would somebody grab the basket and walk around to make sure Jerry is going to do that? Thank you. Um, but Bob, would you come up and join me? Um, uh, I don't want to put Bob on the spot, but I am anyway. Uh, uh, this is... Um, you know, as being Father's Day, I think it's semi-appropriate. Um, Bob falls into a category where he could be my dad. Um, Bob is not just loved by my wife and I, he's loved by my kids. I didn't think I was going to get this emotional over here. But uh, he, uh, Bob was the first person um, that my family really got to know when we moved here 13 and a half years ago. Uh, Bob, do you remember some of the things you said to me in your first few sentences? <laughs> Please don't repeat them publicly. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you something, meeting you and your entire family and the Gallery Church family has been a transforming experience for me. I mean, 13 and a half years ago, when I'm sitting at the life rally with a Guinness mic, and this guy sits next to me, and we start talking about spirituality and various things like that. Bob, what are you doing? The reality of it is, who recognizes Jesus Christ? And he helps me to cover the Holy Spirit. And the real spirit and peace is cared for my life. I love you, bro. And Bob is now, because of just life, um, and like many reasons, um, found a great community uh, to move into in Florida. And, uh, I am, I'm excited. I'm hopeful that uh, his apartment has two rooms because of the great crash in the sunny state of Florida in the middle of the winter up here. But, um, but he's going to be joining his sons later today, and then they're going to be traveling with him to Florida this week. Um, but it has been an honor, and so I would love to do this together with you because this has been our journey. We've come into Christ together. People I take the wafer out, 
Um, we, we, we come to the table because, oops, sorry, um, the, uh, we come, I don't know if that's, I've only seen that on YouTube with priests, but um, uh, at least I'm not having to offer this to you guys. Uh, but uh, we, we come to the table because we need to remember Jesus. Like this is the greatest love story ever. But we also do this regularly because this is our life. We are to do this for each other. Um, and so whether you were a disciple sitting at the table with Jesus for the first time, or you were one of the disciples of Jesus that went and led the church through this dozens of times in the months after Christ ascended, we come to the table to remember that we have been given an, an incredible gift, a lavish gift is what Paul told the church in Ephesus. And so let's do this now as a reminder of that. And, and, and so we say to one another as we take the, the bread together, um, this is his body that was broken for you. Let's say this out. And then let's remove the lid to the cup if you're able. And when Jesus passed this cup to his disciples, he, they didn't have any clue. He told them that he was that his blood was going to be shed for the forgiveness of their sins, and it wasn't until probably two, three days later that they really began to grasp that fully. And um, but we know that because of Christ's shed blood, our sins are forgiven. So let's say this right now: you know, um, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Let's do this together. I got you. Yeah. Uh, we have a, a tradition, a practice in our church of announcing the mystery of our faith in three statements. And so if you know those with me, let's say those out loud together. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Um, and so just be watching for some online announcements, watching, watch, keep, keep, you know, stay tuned. We, we got to get ourselves back there. We're going to have to see that. Sorry, I'm going to see Going to stand up here with me. Um, I uh, also just uh, want to share too. I know that uh, Bill and Sue uh, have been a part of our church for 12 years, and their time with us is coming to an end as well. Um, so grateful for them. Um, they have been a massive encouragement to us uh, in our family. They've helped us love our children well. I'm so grateful for you guys and the ways that you have been a part in. There's so many transitional pieces, even just in the room. I need to stop looking around and look like I need to greet all of you on your time in this moment. So, all right, the benediction. As we go from here today, may you and I remember that we were designed to be one. And let's not delegate that to technology, to any new cultural norms. Let's be one together. And may God's grace and peace be with you. Thank you guys so much.
Thank you.